Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. We seek to encourage the local church to grow in right belief and right action by meditating on our infinite God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Philip Long. And my name is Alex Cook. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, we want to welcome you back to this episode of the Our Infinite God podcast. This is part two of what does a healthy church do? And so far, Alex and I have been talking about some marks of a healthy church. So I'm going to turn it back over to Alex. Thanks for tuning in. What would you say? What's what's one of the other marks that you think is really important? I would say missions. I agree. I agree. How so? So, I mean, we're talking about the mission of the church. What does a healthy church do? And um, and I pointed out earlier how the Baptists in the 1700s yeah. made a point to add missions to that. That should be a mark of a healthy church. And, I mean, it, what did Jesus say? What, one of the last things that Jesus said while his earthly body was here on earth before he was ascended, it was the Great Commission. He said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so uh, that's really, really important. Yep. And uh, thankfully, there's a lot of churches who that believe this. There's a lot of churches that, that spend their time and their resources towards this yep. to tell others about Christ. And so um, the two things I want to point out about missions is who is this to? Like, who is the Great Commission spoken to? Yeah. It's spoken to the church, the whole church. And so everybody in the church is called to be a part of the Great Commission. It's not just for these super Christians over here yeah. or these people who are called to be missionaries. Like, everybody in the church is called to be a part of the Great Commission. So, I mean, everybody's a missionary? No, we <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go there today. We did that with Nate, didn't we? Yeah, uh, last season. And so it depends on what they mean by that, right? Honestly, because so if you're saying that like if everybody is a mission, every Christian's a missionary, meaning every Christian's called to be a part of the Great Commission, then absolutely. Right. But if you mean like okay, everybody's a missionary, so we really don't have to fund people going to Indonesia or, right. or Africa right. or South America because I'm doing mission here right. in my local city, so I don't really have to care about those people who don't have access to the gospel. That's the no, right? No, right. everybody's not a missionary. If that's yeah. what you mean by it, yeah. and, and so we've distinguished between evangelism and, and mission before. Yeah, I, I think on this podcast, but just as a, a refresh, that evangelism is with kind of with within your current social structures, people you are naturally going to kind of be around as you share the gospel. That's as you as you share the gospel with that group of people. Generally, we call that evangelism. But when you intentionally cross over some kind of cultural barrier. To go somewhere that you wouldn't normally go. So whether yep. that's just a socioeconomic barrier or a language barrier or a geographic, you know, national border, uh, generally, you know, this is simple form, but we call that missions. And so yep. a good healthy church would be doing both of those things. And I've had people say, like, why are we spending time and money to go over there? We got plenty of lost people right here. Yep. Well, if we're doing evangelism, yep. then you're here. Like whoever's listening to this right now, like you are here, you can go evangelize those people. 
there's other places in the world, this world, where they no they don't have anybody telling them. They don't have a church down the road. Yeah. And so to be obedient to Christ, we should be trying to do this, going to the ends of the earth, like He yeah. said. And so, who's called to be a part of the Great Commission? Every single Christian. Yeah. Amen. Now there are some people who simply can't go, and there's some people who are called to stay. So some people should go, and the people who can't go should be senders and helpful uh, in that endeavor to be obedient to the Great Commission. Yep. So missions is very important to me, and I think that's a huge mark. If a church is not actively being obedient to the Great Commission, they can't be a healthy church. I agree. I agree. I, I think there's been, a, um, there's been studies shown about when, when churches die, and one of the one of the ways that churches will die is that we get so inwardly focused. Yep. That we try to you know, all of our ministry, all of, everything's about people coming to our building, and it's all all about me, me, me. And um, you just, that's that's a that's a church that's not going to make it yep. because that's not the way the church was meant to be. It's not healthy. Okay, so I'll ask you this, Philip. Uh, what about discipleship? Yeah. Is that a healthy mark? Yeah, it's a really important one to me as well. Um, because there's a mentality out there that, hey, uh, all we need to do is tell people about Jesus, give them to pray a prayer, walk an aisle, put put them on a mem- you know baptize them, put them on a membership roll, and we're done. Yeah. Like that's the end of the process. Yeah, you know, and that's uh, what it says in the Great Commission. <laughs> right. Go get people to say a prayer. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that, we've already read it twice. I don't think that's what it says. It says make disciples. Yeah, make disciples. And then better, it further you know, expounds on that by, you know, after you just read the baptizing part a second ago, verse 20 is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So that's everything Jesus said. This is, he's saying this is recorded at the end of Matthew's gospel. So it's after all of Jesus' life. So Matthew's gospel has the Sermon on the Mount. And, yep. you know, John's gospel's got... Uh, his upper room discussion, all of his sermon to the disciples there, you know, so he taught them all kinds of things. So we take the entire Bible and we want to, we're yep. called to teach that to our people. Yep. So disciples, uh, you know, if you knew the ancient world, these are people who literally followed around a rabbi day and night. So he taught them specifically with instructions, you know, specific teachings, but they also saw the way he lived. They just they, they, they day in, day out saw his life. And so discipleship in the local church should try to mirror that um, in that we are making disciples. Yes, we are proclaiming the gospel far and wide, asking people to repent of their sins and, and come to know Jesus, as he, that he would call them to himself. Uh, but when they turn to him, that's, that's just the beginning of a discipleship process. Yep. We want to find ways that we can take mature believers and partner them alongside people who are not quite as mature in their faith, whether they be new believers or just just a little bit younger in their faith, and give them opportunities to spend time together, to do life together, so that these people can grow deeper in their walk with the Lord. Yep. And I tell you, that that ministry model is, is not thriving, I don't think, in the local church in many places. Yeah. Uh, that many people think, I just go to church on Sunday morning and I'm good. And that is good. I'm glad you go. You know, we should be in church. But we should also be in, in some kind of setting, some kind of relationships where we're being pushed a little bit more than that. How are we diving into the Word on our own? How are we growing? How's our faith? Who's keeping us accountable? 
Um, what, where, where are we stumbling? Where is God calling us to grow? Because, like we said, I mean, this podcast is our infinite God. We want God is infinite. We're called to know Him and enjoy Him more and more. And this will be doing forever. And so, discipleship is about knowing Him better, seeking to understand Him, grow in knowledge and wisdom, and to live in obedience to Him. And so, yep. that if a, if a church is not intentional in that mark, it, it will be very hard to be uh, healthy if we're not raising up disciples. Yep. Um, for the illustration about, you know, uh, how do you, how do you know that the, the the big factory there on I eighty uh, five between Greenville and Spartanburg? How do you know it's a BMW plant? Is it just because they have a sign out front? No, it's because there's a back door, and every like twelve seconds it opens up, and you know what comes out? A BMW. Yeah. You know, and uh, a church isn't a church just because we got a sign out front that says mm. blank church. You know. Yeah. Our ch- a church is a church because we are producing disciples, yep. making, leading people to know the Lord and to know Him better. So that's another one that I think is really, really important. That's good. Give me give me one more of yours. What do you think? Uh, leadership sticks yeah. out to me on yeah. this list. And so another way to phrase this is church government. Yeah. Like, what does the leadership of the church look like? Yeah, the local church. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so something that sticks out to me is, so we see pastors in churches, and um, and so the in the Bible, if you're looking for scripture that really defines and talks about church government, the leadership of the church, uh, first, second, first and second Timothy and Titus are the pastoral epistles, yeah. and those the great place to go. And so specifically, first Timothy chapter three yeah. is where we see Paul spell out the way the leadership of the church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so the, the two terms that you hear about is deacons and elders yep. or overseer, elder, yep. overseer, pastor. Right. Um, and so deacon, that what that word means, if you were to translate it, literally it just means servant. Yep. And so a deacon in the church is a servant in the church. That's somebody who is serving the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we see, you know, people who are serving with childcare, people who are serving with parking, people who are serving as greeters, people who are serving maybe on the worship team, uh, people who are serving with teaching the kids. That's what that's what I see as a deacon, and I think it's yeah. the biblical definition. And people could use that in different ways, uh, certainly. And, and there's there seems to be it's, it's some kind of office in the church. Yeah. And so you want to be careful that it doesn't seem like. The deacons were just anybody who does anything yeah, helpful. That's true. But all those different forms of ministry, as they serve the church, there could be people who are called deacons who then uh, have some kind of responsibility and office with that. But deacon especially is a role in the church that is, I mean, biblically is not, we're not given a whole lot about what they're, because it can look so different. Yep. Culture to culture. Yep. So mainly, there it's it's about their their qualifications, their their yep. character mm-hmm. in First Timothy three. But then some form of servant ministry. So Acts yep. six, uh, where they take care of the widows. I'm sorry if I'm jumping what you were about no, to say. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so those those kinds of things uh, are are good. Roles. No, I wasn't going to talk about Acts six. You want to talk about that? Just um, briefly. Only that. So the word the word in deacon is not used there, but the root word, like you just said, for servant is yep. used there. I mean, and when any time someone is called to an office of a deacon, they go to that passage. Yeah, yeah, 
is frequently used, and I think it is it is an appropriate way, appropriate passage. So uh, there you had the the apostles uh, who were uh, practicing the ministries of of uh, the word and prayer, and there was a group of widows who were being neglected, and yep. these guys realized that if they were going to keep to their job, they needed to delegate yep. this responsibility. And so literally, it says they were serving tables. Yep. And uh, so they're like waiters, mm-hmm. and they go and minister to these these women who need help. Now they turn around; these same guys end up they're they're sharing the gospel chapters later. So it's yep. not like they don't share the gospel. That's right. To your point about everybody's called to be involved in the advancement of the kingdom. Yep. Um, but they specifically were caring for physical needs. In yep. that sense. And so, in the other uh, office we see in First Timothy chapter three is that elder overseer. Right. And so, and that's typically where we see the pastor. Yeah, he's he's overseeing the flock. Yeah, he is guiding the flock, and he's taking a responsibility on the um, the diet of the sheep. Right, and taking care of the congregation um, spiritually. Yeah, and so, and that's what we see there. And, and the same thing in a, the the list for um, what the overseer should be and the deacon. They're very similar. And so he goes a little bit more detail in overseer. Um, and so, but that's what we see. And I think a healthy church, we should see both of those offices. Yeah. Uh, the one of a, a pastor slash elder slash overseer. Yeah. And those are legitimate offices in the church. And then also we should see those offices of deacons, people mm-hmm. serving the church. And so, and if it's, if, and, and I mean, these are on the list for a reason. If 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 we're going to have a healthy church, we should see that. And honestly, like this, it shouldn't be optional. Yeah. Because it's in the Bible. Right. Like if if you have any questions about, is really are we really supposed to have elders in the church? Is deacon is that really what it's supposed to be? Like, look it up. It's in the Bible. Yeah. And so, um, if we want to be obedient to what God has commanded, we should yeah. do what He said in the Bible. That seems like a revolutionary idea there, Alex. <laughs> All right, I want to add one more. Oh, you have one more. So I'll, second to last here, uh, just that we spend a little more time on, is uh, worship. I think that a healthy church is going to just ooze, just just breathe life like the, the water we're Bubble swimming over. In. Yeah, bubble over. Ooze sounds like slime. <laughs> it doesn't sound, that doesn't sound pretty. Okay. That sounds like an old cut. Yeah, okay. Uh, if, if a church is going to be healthy... It will just overflow in worship. The water we're swimming in would be worship. Mm. So many times, uh, I think if I put this list in front of a group of people, and uh, you know, of, of marks of a healthy church, characteristics of a healthy church, they worship is so often associated with the singing portion yep. of a service. And um, and even Mark Dever told us told a story uh, in his book on what is a healthy church uh, <laughs> about a time where he's talking about the Puritans who used to preach for two hours. And somebody asked him, well, how much time did that leave for worship? (laughs) And uh, they meant the singing part of the service. Uh, And he's making the point that that all of the service, including the preaching, is about worship. Which I won't go more into preaching because I just did that. But uh, my point is that including the, the, the singing portion of the service, but not limited to, a church should be very focused on worship, and, and you can ground this all over in Scripture, all over the Bible is focused on the glory of God. But just one, First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So every single thing, even down to how we 
eat and drink. So that means our worship services, our studies, our fellowship time, everything should be about glorifying God, uh, which then again circles back to this whole podcast. It's about knowing and glorifying our infinite God. Right. So a healthy church is going to say, it, we shouldn't do anything that doesn't glorify God. Yep. And every single thing we should we do, the primary focus should be about glorifying God. So whether that be a fun fellowship event, you know, where we just gather together for a grill, you know, for cooking out something, or whether it's an evangelistic type event, we shouldn't do anything unless we can point to directly why why we're trying to glorify God because everything we should do should worship Him. Yeah. And then I'll add to that specifically to a, a, a the, the gathered worship part of a of a church because I think that is kind of the, the backbone of the the regular structure mm-hmm. of the ministry of a local church that the service should should have this sense of, of awe and respect and, and glory celebrating our God. And yep. so that's not limited to a, a certain music style or, or sermon length or any of the stylistic things. But as, as leaders are working to, and, and the church, is, the people are coming to the church to, 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 to glorify God, that, that should be the purpose. That's why we gather, yep. is to worship, worship yep. Him. I think it's a really critical part of a healthy church. So give us one more. We'll, we'll stop at six that we spend more time on. Okay. Um, and as you were saying that, I was, it reminded me of uh, John Piper's book. Um, when he wrote a book about missions. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, the main goal in missions is that worship for God does not exist. No, he says missions exist because worship doesn't. That's right. Yeah, it's in Let the Nations Be Glad. It's yeah. Yeah, missions and, exist because worship doesn't. Yeah, and every God deserves to be worshipped by every people group. Yep, so that's good. Okay, so the other one I want to talk about is ordinances. What? Yeah, ordinances. And so this is one. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, some churches do a really good job of explaining this, but uh, if you're new to Christianity, you're like, "What is an ordinance?" Yeah, and so it comes from. Uh, the word sacraments, and so, and what that is, is the Lord's Supper, and that's when we drink the wine or Baptist grape juice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, me, it's grape juice, and um, and that's symbolic of Jesus's blood, and then take the bread, and that's symbolic of his body being broken for us, and then the other ordinance is baptism, and that's where we are dunked underwater, Yep. And and that uh, signifies and is symbolic of us dying to ourselves, going underneath, and then being raised again. Because if we're Christians, it's a it's a rebirth. We are regenerated. We have become new. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says, "He who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come." And so, both of these things is a way of us telling ourselves and to the world and the church that I identify myself with Christ. And so the word sacrament, it is, uh, I believe, a Latin word is what it comes from. And it and I got this from Michael Haken. And so he said that uh, sacrament is the Latin word, and the that word comes from, in Latin, when you join the Roman army that... Um, sacrament is what you use to identify yourself in the Roman army. And so, and Christians uh, adopted that language in Latin 
to show how these sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism, showed to identify themselves, that they belonged to Christ. Yeah. They were one with Christ, in union with Christ. And so ordinances, I think that's important. And sometimes we may think, oh, we got to do the Lord's Supper today. or you know, And we get pretty excited about baptism. But um, these are not a small thing. These are things that Christ has given to us to show yeah. how we can identify ourselves with Christ and to be reminded for what Christ has done for us. Yeah, that's really good. And and that's something that's unique to the to the church. You know, we don't um you don't take the Lord's Supper with your family at home. Yeah. Like just on a regular day. And I know COVID has a lot of things have been kind we of We could pushed. go down some rabbit trails <laughs> yeah. because there could be exceptions. There could be exceptions. And there's there's pastors out there who argue over this. Yeah, I know. And there's been I've I've followed those things online and we just have stayed out of that. But <laughs> Under normal circumstances, because uh, it's meant to be with the congregation, yes. it's supposed to be a community thing. Both both baptism and Lord's Supper are things that you don't do just privately on your own. You do as a part of the local church, acting as the church together, for the very purpose you just said. You're identifying with Christ and with His body, the bride, the church. Yeah. So those are those are important. Um, so yeah. So that's six of them. We kind of dove into uh, more or less. Um, you know, we kind of hit uh, hit some of those more some of these along the way, but I think all these that the IMB identifies are good. So the other ones were evangelism, prayer, fellowship, accountability, giving, and membership. And yep. so um, I, I think it's helpful for me as a church leader to be thinking about okay, where where do we as a local church where do we need to grow yeah. in each of these areas? Because yeah. you never arrive at these. Yeah, because this was perfect, this so. was striking to me when uh, I was talking to uh, IMB missionary, he kind of pointed me in this direction to find these 12. And I was like, wow, like, I don't know how many churches back home would get an A plus on all of these. Right. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, if we're honest, I think every local church could definitely work on some of these. Yeah. And it's helpful to just to, again, we're, we're saved by grace, not by our scorecard of being a healthy church. Um, that's right. It is helpful. To when we think, get to heaven, God's not going to pull up these 12 and be <laughs> yeah. like, okay, you graded C minus. You're not yeah. going to make it. Yeah, that's you go, not the way this works. You go to the, the halfway house until you get it right. No, um, no, but it is, it is helpful. We, we want to be obedient to Christ in living out the new Testament's description of a group of people following God. We, we are a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, so what does it look like for us to be the church, to live out God's grace, this side of Christ coming back? These are 12 helpful ways to, to think about doing that in a healthy way yeah. and, uh, and and seeking to grow in that. So I think that's really good. Yeah, and so I want to end with just kind of recapping on uh, something you said earlier. Um, I think is the simplest way to put what is the mission of the church, and that is God's people binding together for the Great Commission and the greatest commandments. Yeah. I think that's a simple way to kind of think about what is the mission of the church. Yeah. It keeps it God-focused. Amen. So until next time, dwell on our infinite God. <laughs>